Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Taking a Walk with Buzz Knight. Well, hi, it's Buzz Knight, the host of the Taking a Walk podcast series, the special uh, New York edition, the Greenwich Village edition. And we are uh, in the village, and I'm with a dear friend of mine, Steve Leeds. Steve, it's so great to be with you. Thank you. Um, just to be very specific, we're on the Lower East Side. Okay. So it's on the outskirts of the village, and we're on a, uh, an avenue called... Houston Street. Now, people from out of town look at it and go, oh, Houston. <laughs> no, no, it's Houston. And we're on the corner of Houston, Houston, and Essex at number 217 Houston Street, which is the site of a very interesting historical rock showcase club called the Mercury Lounge. Do tell. A lot of bands, when they first come to New York, since there's no CBGBs, not that this is a punk environment, but a lot of bands and club club acts will come here and for their first exposure saying, I played New York. And, you know, there'd be a swarm of record company weasels coming down to check out the action and see what, you know, all the noise and commotion was about. And, you know, I guess you could make or break a career here. You remember any particular shows you saw here? I was, try- I was trying to think about that. Uh, no, not really. Maybe, maybe, maybe the Meat Puppets played here, but I, you know what? I wouldn't swear. I'm sure somebody listening is more savvy than me can go on Google and look up the Mercury Lounge and see who first did their chops here. I'll bet you're right. It was, I'm just going to put my money on you. Oh, don't do that. I, I think I'm going to. All right, well, let's go back up this way. We just so had a delightful uh, uh, dinner 
and taxes. Delightful. Fattening. Yes. Unhealthy. Yes. Lots of salt. Yes. Um, but delectable. <laughs> but if you're in the you know Lower East Side and you want to go to a historical food place um, on Houston Street, <laughs> it's called Katz's. Yeah. And it's been there since the early 1900s, and everyone's been there. Presidents have been there. Um, the famous film when Harry met Sally. There's that scene where she's faking an orgasm in the middle of a restaurant, and it's one of the tables there. In fact, yep. it's marked with a mobile hanging from the ceiling saying this is where it happened. Classic scene. Classic scene. Classic scene. So, you know, you're the Lower East Side now. There's all sorts of characters and different people here from all walks of life. help, please. And what's strange is, is the gentrification that's going on here. On the corner is a gelato place. Now we're walking past a Marshall's. Yeah. Marshall's right next to Cass's. I know. That's so, so weird. And then the next stop is 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 a, is a, is a you know CVS. It's like things have changed, and they continue to change. But this is this is the this is the Lower East Side. I mean, it's happening everywhere. I think. You know. No, the city has gotten extraordinarily expensive. Whether it's an Uber, or a taxi, or a hot dog, it's it's more than it was before the pandemic. Yeah. So, did you come around the village a lot with a lot of your acts from your your label business that were being showcased? I got to think you made a ton of appearances yourself here. Well, no, I I, I used to come down here as a college kid. That was fun. Where did you go to college? Well, I went to school. Back then, I was going to school in Washington, D.C. But I love hanging out on St. Mark's Place or McDougal Street. I loved going to the button store because that was the thing, protest buttons. My favorite was Flush Twice. It's a long way to Washington. <laughs> I love that. So, And you get all these obnoxious buttons, um, political statements, if you will. And there's the button store. It's only sold buttons. Now, here we are in front of Russ and Daughter's Appetizers. Now, this is a hoity-toity, you might call it a deli, but it's a lot more than that. The specialty is smoked fish. So you come here, you know, for salmon, a white fish salad. Um, not cheap by any stretch of the imagination, but top of the line and around the corner, I believe they opened a little restaurant. Oh, really? I have a question for you. What is a kapchunkas? Where do you see that? See that on the, 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 the genuine Nova Scotia? I'm going to say that's something Polish that I have no idea. Oh, and I'm the Polish guy here. Is that true? Yeah, I should know. Well, they got sturgeon, Greek olives, Russian caviar. Oops, I don't think you should Oops. have that. <laughs> Pickles, halava. They ship nationwide. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Money changes everything. Look at that homemade pickled locks. Wow. I have no idea what that is. It looks like going back in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look at the floor, the tile floor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, enough of the village still, don't you think, looks like it's back in time, a lot of it still, don't like you this. think? It's an Army and Navy store that just sells bags. Yeah. Army bags. 
and then okay, then you have your dollar fifty pizza place. Yeah. Dollar fifty for a slice of pizza. Such a deal. That's quite a margin business, right? Yeah. How about the bottom line and the shows that used to be there? So the bottom line near Washington Square on Fourth and Mercer. What a horrible end. The NYU had to take it over. Um, but who knows if they would have survived? The business has changed so much. I mean, two shows a night. Uh, I don't know how many bands would continue doing that. I was there for one of the opening shows. Let's see, it was, it was Dr. John. And the opening act was a blues act, Gary Farr and the T-Bones. And if I'm not mistaken, they were British. Anyway, it was a small place, right? Wasn't it like 400, 500? Yeah, yeah 400 people. Yeah. I mean, but the you know, amazing thing, Billy Joel played there, Bruce Springsteen played there, the, the annual Flo and Eddie Christmas shows. Yeah, I mean, it was really like NEW's, like, like kind of like... Well, they broadcast... Broadcast place of record, Hall, Hall right? Hall Notes played there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was... That was the place. But wasn't it really, I mean, Danny Fields was saying this, wasn't it really a place that um, if you were in the label business and there was a showcase going on... You've got to be there. you got to be there. Yeah. Right? And the, and the labels paid for everything, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it was hard to get service. I mean, the wait, waiters, waitress, waitresses never hustled you. Like, I excuse me, I need something to drink. Um, but the best was the brownies, the brownies with whipped cream. I always thought those were great there. And Alan and Stanley ran it like a family operation. Jack was at the front door. And there's a bar on the left. But you really think these places probably could not, I mean, they didn't survive, but there was no way in today's world that they could have survived. Would yeah, you I think, think it would be, it'd be a challenge. Um, you know, the Fillmore East, I'm sure uh, you walk by there, it's yes. a bank. Yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, you walk around the side, is the brick wall where the Allman Brothers shot the album cover. I hear some controversy that that's not where they shot it. Okay. There, that's, uh, I don't know. we we got to get to the bottom of that one, but... Uh, yeah, I I, you know, and across the street was the Village Theater, which had a lot of strange things, including a Timothy Leary being. I went. I went to that. I actually got the the, the program was a mirrograph sheet, and I think one of the talents was this acoustic guitar player. Peter Walker played the ancient protein strings of life. <laughs> anyway, I got Timothy Leary to autograph the, 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 the mimeograph sheet. I always thought, wow, I got a Timothy Leary autograph. That's pretty cool. I thought so. Um, and then on McDougal Street, hopefully I got these streets right, the Players Theater. It's a small theater, a couple hundred, if that. And that's where the Fugs played. Ed Sanders, right? Yeah, like it's illegal. Tully Kupferberg. All those great songs, Kill for Peace. 
morning, morning. Patrici Havens recorded, which was beautiful. Um, very young. Of course, my favorite song was Squawk Man versus the Lunatic Vagina. <laughs> uh, it just so here I am. I, I guess I was 16 years old, and I convinced my father to drive me and a couple of our friends into the village for the night to go see the films. Really? I don't know. I guess they made, might have done two shows. They were sold out. And my father was trying to convince us we should go around the corner because there was something else playing there at the village gate, the Mothers of Invention. And I got, no, 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 no. That, they're, they're imitations. We've got to see the Fugs. Oh, God. Because I was a hardcore Fugs fan. I mean, that's one of my favorite little tortures is I go into Spotify and see if I can stump it. Find songs or artists they don't have. Right. I go, ah, they won't have any of the Fugs. Boy, they sure did. They had the whole Fugs catalog on that little independent label they were on, ESP Records. Oh, wow. So, anyway, I, I still like this. And, of course, my brother and I love singing the Fugs song, Nothing. It's called Nothing. How does it go? Monday, nothing. Tuesday, nothing. Wednesday, a lot more nothing. Thursday, nothing. Friday, nothing. Saturday, Sunday, more nothing. And then the verse was going, nothing, 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 nothing. And during the pandemic, what a great song. <laughs> nothing. Steve, that is worth the price of admission right there. The, the, you singing that song. Oh, that was beautiful. Oh, it's terrible. No, that, yeah. was, that was wonderful. I mean, it was, it's almost as bad as my tuba playing. Tuba playing? I was, well, I, I, I played tuba and then in marching band played the sousaphone. So you really are a student of music. Well, I tried, but, you know. When did you realize that somehow being affiliated around a business around music that you were going to be in that business when did when did right, when so, was the moment that so you knew I'm a, I'm a freshman at American University in Washington D.C. and in the dorm in the dorm three guys to a room the double ducker bed and a single bed and the guy in the single bed was from Pittsburgh John and his girlfriend would come and spend the weekend where the hell am I going to go they put a, they put, the signal back then was put a tie around the doorknob, and that meant Ixnay. Yep. I remember that. <laughs> so what the hell am I going to do? It's Friday night. I wander over to the campus radio station, and lo and behold, they need a news person to read the news. So go over in the corner. Yeah, some old teletype. They rip the teletype off clean up the, the story to be semi-relevant to the student body because it's a campus radio station. Yes, closed current. So, I got the radio bug. And I clawed my way up through the ranks. Came program director, eventually senior station manager. What a great little radio station. It was during the uh, time the FCC was censoring music. I, for all the songs that were censored, 
I put them on our playlist and made sure it had to be played every shift. <laughs> I mean, Brewer and Shipley? Come on, really? Yeah. So. How about David Peel? Well, David Peel was on Apple Records, and for some reason, Capitol Records didn't really believe back then in college radio. So it's very difficult to get anything on Capitol. And Dave Peel was on Apple, so it was part of Capitol. So, anyway, so I'm working at the campus radio station, and down the hall is the university's FM station. But in the hallway is a bulletin board. So one day I'm walking by the bulletin board, and I see... Production assistant needed. Acid rockers need not apply. Contact Murray the K and a phone number. So I did one of the bad things I did in my life. I took the card off the, put it in my pocket, and I called. I got the interview, got the job, and I'm working for Murray the K as his gopher schlep. Eventually, as his producer, uh, his weed gatherer. I, you name it, I did it for him. So he was living in Washington, D.C. and working on, on weekends at WNBC in New York. So I would go up on the weekends. He was doing a thing called NBC Monitor. So we did that for a while. And then he was working at uh, this radio station, WWDC AM, Avco Broadcasting in Washington. And he was not doing the afternoon drive. I guess he got tired of doing it, and he cut a deal with a little suburban Maryland radio station where he bought the afternoon time slot outright and sold advertising to the record companies and took me with him. So my roommate became the board op. I programmed all the music. And Murray voiced it. And on, he would leave early on Fridays. So he couldn't do a show. So this was the early days of voice tracking. He, he recorded all the voice tracks. And my roommate and I would in, throw the music in. People didn't know. Then he got involved with a woman down there. And they, she did the morning show. So eventually, they gave me overnights. So... My nom de plume, air name. Okay. I'm, I'm listening. Herschel Chickowitz. Oh! A better ending. Well, Steve Leeds sounds like a big top 40 guy. Oh, Steve Leeds here. So, so I was on, like, from, I guess, from midnight to Say it 6 a.m. Herschel Chickowitz. Wow. I, I'm, uh, I, I'm still stunned. Well, my current employer actually had me doing uh, overnights in the in one of the channels and allowed me to use that name for really? a while. Yeah. Wow. Well, you're a, a rare individual in that you know all of my various, you know, witness Incarnations. names and yes. all of that stuff. You're you're keenly familiar with that. So. Um. So, while I was working in New York for Murray. Oh. So I, I'm working overnights, and I make $60 a week, and I get up, and I go back to my, uh, I was co-renting a house with a bunch of guys, and they'd give me a joint, and say, shut up, go to sleep. 
and I'd wake up, I'd be hungry, I'd go to Roy Rogers and have a trigger burger. I was ruining my health, and I was like, this sucks, for 60 some odd dollars a week. So I go to my, I graduate, I go to my faculty advisor, I go, what am I gonna do, this, this blows. So he says, go to grad school. I go, are you out of your mind? I barely got out of this place. He goes, no, 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 no. This is a three semester deal. It's, it's really a good school. Um, it's probably too late, but maybe you get on the waiting list or whatever. So I apply on the waiting list to Syracuse Newhouse. And lo and behold, I get on the waiting list. Okay. Then I get a notice they accepted me. So I have to go to the general manager of the radio station and go, um, listen, I'm giving you two months notice. I'm going to go to grad school in, in Syracuse. No, 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 no. You can stay here. We're going to make you a star. I go, with all due respect, I'm going to do this. All right, you go there and you go look and find it, but you'll see. You'll want to come back. So I found an apartment and moved to Syracuse and got a job uh, as a campus rep for United Artists Records. And then I worked at a, a retail record store called Discount Records. Then I did Sunday night sign-off at WOUR in Utica. And I was a Sunday morning transmitter engineer at Wolf, the top 40 station, until I got realized I wasn't getting paid enough to make it worth my while. <clears throat> so I took two other jobs. One was a lunchroom monitor in the DeWitt school system, make sure the kids didn't kill themselves after lunch. And then I was a bag boy at the Syracuse Wegmans. And that job was great. The checkout counter, the old lady said, no, my car is there. And I'd carry the bags of groceries to the car and I'd get a quarter or 50 cents. I, I, you know, I did that, and I graduated, and I went back to work with Murray at WNBC. I remember getting him, because I was working at UA, I turned him on to the Electric Light Orchestra roll over Beethoven, because WNBC was playing. Well, he, he, they, they, he played it on his show. So, anyway, I heard through the grapevine, I met, I met the Atlantic kid, Chet Fermanac. And I, uh, and he was kind of lame. You know, this is the local Atlantic guy. Anyway, I heard through the grapevine that he was probably going to be let go, and they were looking for somebody. So I put on my suit and tie, and I go to the Warner Communications building. I'm going to go get a job in cable TV. I'm going to get a degree in TV radio. I get in the elevator, and there's this at the time, I thought, elderly gentleman. And he looks at me and starts laughing. He goes, what the hell are you doing wearing a suit and tie? Last time he saw me, he brought cactus to my college radio station, and I'm wearing tie-dye. And I have my fro, I look like a, you know. So I said, well, you know, I'm gonna get, you know, an interview with Warner Cable. No, 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 come here, you can get off with me. Get off at the second floor, it's Atlantic Records introduces me to some key executives there. They throw me in a room with a bunch of these guys, and they go, kid, where do you live? New Jersey. You have a car? Yeah. What'd you do? I went to school. So you live at home? Yeah. You know anybody at WNEW-FM? I go, 
Well, uh, in college, I used to speak with the music director about imports, the guy Dennis, Dennis Elsis. Let me ask you something. Kid, do you think you can help us get our records played there? I go, um, well, I, I did this college thing for United Artists. I, I would assume so. All right, listen. I want you to go out to Karlstadt, to our regional branch, and meet with the sales manager there. I drive out there a couple of days later. They could give a flying F about me. I could tell they were just like, ah, so Columbus Day, I call Atlantic Records, and I get the head the vice president of radio promotion, Dick Klein, gets on the phone. Dick? Steve? Yeah. So, listen, um, you know, can't spread this, this, this Zeppelin record. I just can't seem to spread it. You know, up in Boston, you know, Jerry's not coming to the party. I, I, I don't know. Um, we're having a little rough time with this song, Dire Maker. I, I don't know. And I stop. I go, Dick? He goes, Steve? I go, Dick, it's Steve Leeds. He goes, oh, I thought you were Steve Weiss, Zeppelin's uh, lawyer manager. Oh. Listen, kid, you got the job, 250 a week, and you start, you start next, next Monday. <laughs> Well, I tell my mother, and she's flipping out. She's like, you're getting 250 a week plus expenses? This is the worst thing that ever happened to you. You're going to be so spoiled and rotten. I go, yeah, all right, I guess. So what did I, I had? A, they gave me Barnaby By. They gave me Abandoned Luncheonette by Hall and & Oates. And a couple of disco. No, there, was, there wasn't disco yet. There was uh, some urban records. And one of my first days on the job... Vin Skelts is doing mornings, so I used to listen to him on his college station, so I was a huge fan. I call him up, I said, I'm the Atlantic Records guy, can I meet you after the show for breakfast? He goes, yeah, sure. So I go, wow, I'm paying for breakfast, I get to hang out with a guy who I used to listen to on the radio, and I'm getting paid, this is a job? Wow, this is pretty cool. And the rest is history. Some would say that. I would say. So that was um, wow. almost 50 years ago. So, so in closing, you know, music's important to us. It's important to you. It's important to, to me, to our audience. It's, it's something that is, is hard to describe, really, what it does to us. Can, can you articulate why music well, Car- well, Car- is so Carl important? Well, Karl Marx used the expression for religion, but I'll rephrase it and put it in the context of music. It's the opiate of the masses. Or as Brian Ferry said, love is the drug I need to score. And maybe music is in there too, somewhere. So I think it's, it's important. It's a common denominator that everyone in the world knows in some form or another from an aborigine drum in Australia to the beat of Soweto to, you know, it's just everywhere, you know, you go, there's, there's some representation of music, and we are just in a highly evolved, or so we think, society, and we've taken it to this level where it's not just a cultural thing, but it's a business, and a big business, that makes a lot of money, and makes some people rich, and some people frustrated. It brings a lot of people joy, too, you know? Well, yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean... I mean, it's yeah. a release. You yeah. have to, I mean, if you don't have music... Yeah. 
can't, I can't imagine. In the world without music. I well, don't know. Just don't. Stephen, it's uh, great to take a walk with you in Greenwich Village, or, excuse me, the... Outskirts. Outskirts. The outskirts. We're in the Lower East the Side. The Lower East Side. We're on Houston Street. We're close to the village, but... Very much so. Close enough, but thanks for sharing uh, your stories. Well, thanks for the opportunity. And for those of you listening in the car, thanks for the ride. Taking a Walk with Buzz Knight is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Kerry Hilson, Adonis, mm-hmm. back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.